20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. And thankfully, I am joined by the two people I most need to be joined by right now. And that is the one and only Alex Strofe. You can find him at Alex underscore Strofe. And of course, the one and only Perry Goldstein. You can find her at Perry underscore Goldstein. Friends, I wish we were talking for a Victory Monday episode of the podcast. We are not, but I am very overjoyed to be talking to both of you. Good to be here, Andy. Um, I just want to point out, uh, so when we do these recordings together, you, you have to title them in, in some way, and it just says PAIN in all capital letters, uh, which is really how I'm feeling today, despite the fact you know that, that this was a really fun ride and a really fun team and a team that probably shouldn't have been in the divisional round, quote-unquote. Uh, but I'm still really sad with, with how that one ended on Saturday night, so I'm excited to dive into it. Perry, how are you doing? How am I doing? I probably feel differently than you guys do. Like, I think this one stung because they had it well within their grasp, right? And so when you look back and you do the rewatch and you, like, look at it analytically, you're like, damn, they really could have won that game. Like, they really, really, really could have. And that's objectively looking at this 2023 season to think about that from, like, a 10-foot view. The fact that they went toe-to-toe with the one seed and could have walked out of San Francisco with a win is just wild. And that they didn't, that sucks. But I find it really hard to be upset that they didn't win just because again, like they went in there and they didn't get punched in the mouth and like spiral. They didn't get blown out. Like it went down to the final drive. Like this team feels, I'm sad that it's this season's over because this team is so fun to watch and I have to now wait until September to watch them again. But man, like the window is wide open, like 2024, just like watch out for this team. Like I just came away feeling really excited about where this team is going to go more so than I'm upset about this one loss because I went into it knowing they're going to take something away. Like they're going to learn from this loss, like Jordan, especially the young guys, especially, it just felt like we won already. We, the Packers won already going into it. So I know that fans are upset and I know that's probably not what fans want to hear, but I'm not upset. Like I'm, I'm really not. Um, I think they proved themselves. Like they proved that they are going to be a team to beat next season. Um, they are contenders. Like they went up and went blow for blow with the freaking 49ers who are the number one seed. Like that is unreal a seven seed has never done that that is freaking awesome like this team is far above and beyond what i ever expected them to be so it's really hard for me to be upset about that alex the floor is yours my friend because it seems like you might be on a slightly different vibe today (laughs) yeah i mean while everything perry said is is absolutely correct and i agree with all of it it's just it's the point of that was their game right like I understand they went toe to toe with them and, and they shouldn't have been there, quote unquote, as I said before, but they had that game in the bag, right? And I remember back in July when the three of us were talking and we were just kind of, you know, training camp was just beginning and Anders Carlson Durst, as I like to call him, was making some mistakes. And we, we kind of all just agreed like, yeah, that's going to lose us a game at some point. And 
It kind of did yesterday, uh, Saturday. Um, and and there were other things that went wrong too, right? Like the, the pick six or what would have been a pick six in Darnell Savage's chest early in the game was a missed opportunity. There were other missed opportunities. Uh, there was an opportunity for a Jordan Love vintage moment, and he threw a bad interception at the end of the game. So, yes, there was other misses. But Anders Carlson missing that field goal felt like the, oh, shoot, moment. Like you knew that was going to come back to bite. Um so that, that's that's why I'm still feeling low. And, and I agree with everything Perry said, right? Like, this is a team that made both at the quarterback position and overall one of the most insane turnarounds in a season I, I've I've seen, period. Not just the Packers, period, right? To go from two and five, uh, losing four in a row, to a team that rattles off four wins at the end of the season, counting the wild card game on the road against the two seed. Then they go on the road to the one seed, and, and they really should have won the game. Like, it, it's an insane turnaround, and I'm really excited to see what the future of this team looks like. But it, it still feels to me now, uh, when this comes out two days removed, like we should be talking about an NFC championship game on Sunday, right? We, we should be talking about a divisional game between the Packers and the Lions with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. And so I'm still a little sour grapes right now, but, but everything Perry said is correct, but I'm, I'm still a little bit in the dumps. I think you guys spell out the dynamic perfectly of what almost every Packer fan is feeling on both sides, right? Like I think there's almost like this split personality of on one hand, we know going into the season that if you could have signed up for this type of run and this type of season and Jordan playing the way that he has, like you would sign up for all of it almost to a T. You love what this team was able to accomplish, the foundation that they developed, all of it. We will we will go on for a while on that as well. I think the other aspect is, uh, you know, not only could they have won this game, probably should have won this game. You know, they've got a 21-14 lead going into the fourth quarter. Uh, they've got a 21-17 lead with the ball first and 10 on the 49ers 24 yard line with under eight minutes remaining their final four drives of the game. They go interception three and out missed field goal interception. If they score points period in those four final drives and for an offense that had really from about, I mean, I admit, I mean for a while now, but like when they've needed this run from the beginning of the, the Carolina game up until, you know, really, really up until that point those final four drives, like this is not an offense that we have seen that like can't put up any points in a four drive period of time. And yet here when they needed it most to either pad their lead and just kind of salt the thing away or when they needed points at the end, they couldn't get it. And I think what is a lot disappointing about this is there were mistakes that were made, specifically the Anders Carlson kick that we could see coming from a mile away. And that punch in the face is really hard to, to swallow when this was such a fun season. And it was, it was eerily reminiscent to the 2021 season where you're facing the 49ers and a, in totally different circumstances from an all-in team to uh, this sort of team. But where you there's one flaw that you really have on your team. Perry's disagreeing with me, but that's okay. But you have this one flaw that you can see from a mile away, and that was special teams in 2021 and in this game it was Anders Carlson like you could see this coming he has missed what 10 of a field goal in 10 of the last 12 games or kick in 10 of the last 12 games um four of 40 or four of nine on the season now from 40 to 49 yards uh it like this was preventable in some way and they decided to ride it and it kicked them in the worst possible time so I think there's both both of these things are a million percent true where we can absolutely celebrate and be pumped and excited about 
what was, what how they built and what's to come, while also realizing that this was a pretty crappy missed opportunity where they had everything in their hands. Perry, what were you shaking your head about? I think what I disagree with now is I really hate the comparisons to past seasons. Like that's, what's been really bothering me about the discourse around this game is because like, I, I, I know that it's really easy to do that. And like, it's a coping mechanism because it is the 49ers, but I have, I can't, I can't see this game in the same light as any other past losses, especially to the 49ers. Like, the teams and the circumstances are completely different. And those losses stung way worse because the expectations were ring or nothing. So that's why I disagree with you, but I agree with you in that, like in that circumstance, you want to be able to trust your kicker. And I think it also, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this in the rest of the episode, but I think it's a huge part of like why that last drive ended the way it did because you're playing for a touchdown because you don't trust your kicker. You, if you are going for the field goal because you trust your kicker, you're probably calling a different drive. So I will say though, like we're putting a lot of credit on an amazing offense who has played great for a number of weeks. I, I you have to give credit to it. A really good 49ers defense this is the best defense that this team is, has gone up against. They took away something that this offense does really well, which is attack the middle of the field. Right? They co- they really could not do that in this game. Aaron Jones had a great game, but it wasn't nearly as dominant as the last few weeks, even though he still got over 100 yards. So, again, like they played really well, but I wasn't expecting them to dominate the same way they have the last few weeks. This is no. not a defense that you're going to play. So they got theirs, the 49ers got theirs, and ultimately, like, they lost by three. I don't know. It just, it, I thought it was a really even, really well-matched game that the other team just happened to come down on the right side of. It sucks. It just sucks. Yeah. And just to be clear, obviously not comparing 2021 to this season, not comparing the two teams or the overall circumstance of the game, just that there was a fatal flaw that you a yeah. flaw that you could see all season long that you knew was going to bite you at some point and in the worst possible moment it bit you and that was the like entire special teams in 2021 in this case it was Anders and again th- those were those were foreseeable things to happen it was I don't think anyone was like oh Anders missed a 41 couldn't have seen that coming it was like almost like we were all a- almost anticipating it once that kick went up and that's that's more where I'm at with it yeah I'm curious, you know, and obviously hindsight's 2020 now, but I'm curious, and I think Goody is scheduled to speak with you guys this week, Andy, but I'm curious from his perspective, maybe what he would have done differently if he knew this would be the outcome, right? You get down to the divisional round, you're one of the last eight teams alive. Do you never trade Rasul Douglas? Do you bring Mason Crosby back for a year? Like what he would do differently to take what was such a fun turnaround and fun season with this youth movement that obviously worked faster than I think even he expected, and is is Mason Crosby back for another year? Do you ever trade Rasul Douglas when you're two and five? And may, do you bring in a veteran wide receiver for that room? Like, I'm just curious, you know, with hindsight being what it is now, and obviously you can't change anything, but I, I'd be curious. And maybe that's a conversation you have with him over a beer more so than at a press conference. But that that's that's what I wonder, you know, 48 hours removed from this thing. Yeah, my guess is Goody does not get asked that question. But uh, what I will say is there is very, very, very little that I would have changed. And we can talk about like the result trade, but like we 
we saw this team at two and five with Razul on the roster. Do I think Razul had anything necessarily to do with <laughs> two and five or like being better once he left? No, like that's not what I feel. But I really don't want to introduce any different variables into how this team got from two and five to what the, the, the trade of Razul might have needed to happen for everyone else to realize of like, oh, if we don't turn this around, a lot of us are going to have this happen. A lot of us are going to be gone. If Razul can get traded, we can get, and obviously the trade deadline was over, but like if Razul can get traded, we can get traded in the off season, we can get released. They are going to find replacements for us if we don't start getting this job done. So maybe that was exactly what was needed. I think some of the competition up on the offensive line of saying like, hey, this is not just going to be your job. We're going to start rotating people in. I think some of that was needed. So maybe none of it mattered. Maybe all of it mattered. But I I would not introduce too many variables into what this happened through the course of the season. Other than I think like sticking with Anders through the regular season to try to work out some of the issues that he was having. I understand that. The, the stretch of games that he had at the end of the season where he was not making kicks consistently and then missed again against the Cowboys. Like at some point, and what I said yesterday is like, at some point he's telling you, I'm not ready for this moment right now. And to like, he showed you over and over. I'm like, extra points are hard. If extra points are hard, that's a problem. If 40 <laughs> yard field goals are hard. That's a problem. If he's missing some 50-yard kicks or whatever, it's so fine. So be it. If he's making the obvious ones and extra points and things like that, we're good. You can you can develop some of that stuff and you know get distance over time, whatever. But like he had been very clearly struggling with all of that, uh, those things, the extra points, the the easier field goals. And he he, pre- he proved it on numerous occasions. So that's the one thing where I do think. And you had an extra roster spot. It's not like there's this perfect kicker that's out there, not Mason, not anyone else, but there's an opportunity to maybe go in a different direction and say, Hey, we are going to bring in a veteran kicker, somebody that maybe is going to hit the layups. Like that's that you don't necessarily need to hit the 50 yarders. This is an aggressive offense that goes for a lot of stuff in that area of the field. Anyway, we just need to make sure the extra points, the 41 yard field goals, the 43 and unders like that stuff has to be near automatic and Anders couldn't do that. And I think that's what the, the one thing that you can look back on in hindsight and say there was a clear path to maybe doing something different there. I have a hard time. I, I know we're going to talk about the offense too. I have a hard time putting all of this on Anders. I know it's easy to because it was at the end of the game and you think about, well, if he had just made that kick, then like it was in the fourth quarter. But the Packers left a lot of points on the field. The whole offense did, right? The first half of the that game, like, they got into the red zone three times, and they came away with, what, was it six points? So this was a whole, like, I don't want to call it a failure, but field goals are not going to beat the 49ers, and they did not score touchdowns in their red zone trips. So... I do want to take a second 15 minutes into this episode to also say like this offense did not get it done when they got their opportunities in the red zone. And again, I said it like, this is a very good 49ers defense. They buttoned it up in the red zone. Good for them. Props to them. But you know, Matt LaFleur in this offense needs to in this off season, like take a look at some of the things that they're calling in the red zone. And again, like we can look at that fourth and one and, bad spot, et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm not going to, 
I don't like to blame the refs for a game because I think both sides got some good calls and it, it evened itself out in the end. But you got to get seven. You got to make it so that you aren't putting your kicker in that position at the end of the game. Like, I don't want to have to be blaming this guy because if they had scored a touchdown earlier in the game and gotten some kind of lead, except like there, there's a butterfly effect here, but this offense left points on the board as well. That's fair. There's, there's plenty of blame to go around offense, defense, and special teams. Like there's things that the offense, defense, and special teams did well. There's things that offense, defense, and special teams would all love to have back in this game. I think the where again is, is slightly more frustrating on the underside of thing is like, that was more foreseeable and predictable than like the offense all of a sudden just stalling after they've been on fire as of late. Um, and again, we, we just talked about it. The 49ers have a tremendous defense. Uh, th- there were things that went into play there where you, yes, there are regrettable mistakes and errors and things that you would like to have back, but there wasn't a pattern of that up until that point. And um, that to me is again, where the, the honors thing is just slightly different, but it's uh, either way, like, it's, it's to an extent we're beating a dead horse. Everyone understands like this wasn't an acceptable season from the, the kicking game. Um, and really from special teams as a whole, those special teams did some good stuff in this game and they're going to have to look at it moving forward as to what they could do differently. And in a million percent, Perry, like there are, uh, we, we went through the full list yesterday and I, I posted on Twitter. I know Zach Cruz put a whole article out. There's a million things that if they change slightly, it probably this game goes easily in Green Bay's favor. It's not just the field goal kick. So, um, yeah, there's there's plenty of stuff to to go around. That's for sure. All right, let's. That I feel like we've covered sort of our emotional response to this game, as well as sort of the story of this game. But I do want to pause and just sort of take a moment to look at the story of this season as a whole, because as this game is like the closing chapter of this season. Um, I still want to take a moment to just sort of take a step back and say, let's put, you know, this, this game is a piece of that, but obviously the whole thing was the, the journey as a, as a whole. So Alex, I'll start with you. Um, what, what is your overarching feel and what is the story of this season for you? I will leave the low hanging fruit for one of you two. I will, I will go back to a guy I brought up before and that is the general manager, Brian Gutekunst. Um, I have already formally apologized to him on this show, among <laughs> other shows I host. Um, so I will save the apology, but I will say uh, everything panned out a lot quicker than I think even he thought this year, right? Going to the youth movement, uh, having the youngest team in the league, having the youngest team in the history of the NFL to win a postseason game, the first and second year pass catchers uh, being elevated by the aforementioned low hanging fruit, uh, the defense. Got it together towards the end of the year again, right? Uh, and I'm talking personnel more so than coordinator in, in, in that term. I, I, I was really impressed with the way that, that some of these guys who shoot, I didn't even know. I mean, I knew of Bo Melton. I didn't know what he was capable of until week 17, right? So I, I think just looking at the Tucker Crafts and the Jaden Reeds and the Bo Meltons of the world, the, the way that offense came together led by Jordan Love, obviously. Uh, it was so impressive. The turnaround was impressive. Um, and obviously that roster was constructed by Brian Gutekunst. So I think the story of the season, uh, aside from Jordan Love, who I'm sure one of you will talk about, uh, is the youth movement and the way it came to fruition. And, and they won a freaking postseason game, right? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm sad, I'm being negative, but like I need to use some of Perry's optimism for a moment because who the hell saw this coming, right? This was a two and five football team. This is a team that lost four games 
in a row in October. We were legitimately questioning whether or not Jordan Love was the dude at the end of October after that loss to the Vikings, 24 to 10. And here we are on January 22nd, uh, you know, with with what what is being reported as one of the largest quarterback contracts in history coming in the next few months for Jordan Love with, with certainty at the wide receiver position, with certainty at the tight end position, the best one-two punch we've had since the 90s, and they're very different uh, in, in terms of play style. Uh, defensively, you've got some dudes. It's just a matter of what other pieces you can put there and if you're making a coordinator change. But But the story of the season to me is the youth movement. Hey, friends. For those of you who know me well enough, you know that the only thing I might like more than the Packers is pizza, but not just any pizza. Of course, Little Caesars pizza. It's time that you join me and make Little Caesars, which by the way, is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Order online during the Pizza Pizza pregame, all day on NFL game days and Pro Bowl Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza. And as I always tell you, do not forget the crazy bread. The best part is that everyone wins with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pick up. So grab some friends, grab some crazy bread, and enjoy some delicious Little Caesars pizza during the game. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Pick's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy um before we get to you perry quick shout out alex you got a shout out in the the live chat yesterday bold prediction alex for the season packers would win four in a row and they would lose four in a row at some point this year and uh they completed that challenge so shout out to you for that uh that correct prediction it took a win in the postseason but we got there right like i I don't think i predicted that it would be a win in the postseason that would give them four in a row but I'll, i'll still take it you couldn't have said seven in a row, jerk. Thanks a lot. But I'm um, yeah. just kidding. Terry, uh, your thoughts on the season as a whole? Wow, Alex. Psychic over there. Um, I mean, this was probably one of the most fun seasons I can remember in a while. And I think, like, there's a lot, there was a lot of newness to the season, a lot of unexpected. And there's some anxiety and apprehension to that. But there's also so many amazing moments and it was just such a new page to turn for the team, for fans. I mean, we would probably be talking about this very differently if the quarterback did not turn out 
the way that he did. So I feel blessed that our team knows how to scout quarterback and talent (laughs) and develop quarterback talent the way that it does. Um, So those of you who had something to say in 2020, you know, maybe take a look at how your team does things and replicate what the Green Bay Packers do. But um, like this the, I said it earlier, like the way I feel about this season is the way I feel coming out of this game, which is like the window is wide ass open, like wide open. It is wider than I ever expected it would, it would be after 2023. Like going into this season, I was like, All right, we're going to figure out who Jordan Love is. We're going to figure out who on this roster is going to come with us on this rebuild, if you will, journey. We're going to find out who, what, who these young guys are where the talent's at, we're going to reassess and we're going to bring them along with us in 2024. There is so much here. Like I would say the majority of this roster that we just watched lose is going to be back in this next season. Like they're going to retain so much of this talent, mostly because they're all on their rookie contracts, but also because they, this core is so unbelievably talented. Like the amount of talent on this team is almost in overabundance, I don't even think that's a possibility in the NFL, but in overabundance, especially on the offense. So it's really exciting because they've got a number of years with this core to build something really phenomenal. Um, I think they went through plenty of adversity also that has like shaped them and built them. I think there's like a level of locker room camaraderie too that they were able to create. Um, So that can't be overstated as well. I think Aaron Jones had a really great quote about it after this game saying this is one of the best teams he's played with in a long time. So it's really exciting. Like, I feel great. I feel like if you reseeded this team, I mean, they took down the two seed and almost took down the one seed. Like this is this team is going to go into 2024 as a contender, which again will change things because when you go into games with expectations now, you know, things change, but how great is that, that now in 2024, we have expectations. Like that's it's, they're just, their timeline is so much further along than I would have ever thought it would be. Um, And we have the quarterback of the future. And quite frankly, that's literally in the NFL, all that matters, all that matters. So I, I really, really, really enjoyed the season like more than I, ever thought that I would. Um, And I'm really sad that it's over. I know it doesn't sound like I'm sad. (laughs) I'm more so sad that the season's over than I am that they lost this game because it was so much fun to watch this team. So I'm really excited for 2024. There's no doubt about it. I'm ready to get hurt again. um, As (laughs) the office would say, Uh, let's, uh, there's two things I want to go over as, as I look at this season as a whole. The first one is, what I went into this season looking at. And a lot of people use the rebuild, the reboot, the whatever. Um, the, the word that I used over and over was evaluation, that there were so many things that you needed to evaluate specifically with the biggest, I think, variable in your franchise traded to New York. Like you didn't know what was going to happen. Was it going to be better? Was it going to be exponentially worse? You, like, I think it puts the, the, you know, just the microscope on everything else on the organization. When you take Aaron Rodgers out and say, all right, you've had Brett, you've had Aaron. Now, what does this look like without that? And you had to evaluate Goody and Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love and so many players on this team 
And man, what an evaluation that you got of this team, the culture, Matt LaFleur as a coach, Goody as a GM, Jordan as the QB. There were some that didn't go as great. You wanted to know, could Devondre Campbell get back to playing at his all pro level? The answer to that was no. Could David Bakhtiari survive a full season being like being healthy? The answer was unfortunately no. Um, did, did you need to eventually, did you need to move on from Aaron Jones? No, that's not the one he's going to say like th- there, there were so many things that you had to evaluate and the majority of those evaluations came up as amazing as you could possibly expect. There's some hard ones. We're going to talk about one of those in just a moment, but they have so many answers that they didn't have going into this year. So that's my number one takeaway. Number two, I talk about it a million times over and Perry, you just talked about it a second ago, but is opening a window and trying to, you know, make it so that you have this wide window and, and, and you can actually build towards something that's still that that's obviously there. The timelines moved up. Everything's going great, but you cannot open a window without building a foundation. And this season to me was all about cementing all of the foundation for this team. And you do that by having a franchise quarterback with a offensive line. That's, what, you know, you can go next year, Rashid, Elton, Myers, Ryan, and Zach Tom, and feel like you've got a starting offensive line already under contract next year. Not that they can't improve, not that they can't have competition or depth, but you have it. You have weapons all over the damn place. You've probably got Aaron Jones coming back. You've got so many pieces of this defense that are actually successful that are coming back, and some that you know you're going to have to change over. They've built an unbelievable foundation for this team already. And that is always the hardest part about taking that next step and trying to go for a championship is setting that first. And they have young talent. They have them under control for the foreseeable future. They are cheap talent because they are young and under their rookie contracts. And now the sky is the limit for what you're going to be able to do with this team moving forward, starting with getting Jordan Love on that long-term contract in the offseason. But the evaluation went amazing. The foundation is set. And now we get to enjoy the fruits of that labor, hopefully for the foreseeable future with just a few tweaks and five more top 100 draft picks this offseason. It's awesome. It's just so awesome. You both talked about it, right? Like the window, the, the championship window. And Andy, you just mentioned, right? Going into the, the season with certain expectations or the lack thereof. I didn't go into the season thinking we'd be like, oh, this could be a Super Bowl team in 2024. I thought maybe, okay, this could be a playoff team in 2024 if if all things go well. Or Jordan Love maybe looks good and he takes that next step in his second year as a starter. Um, the story of the season, which I think we we all touched on briefly, but but not enough, was whether or not Jordan Love was the guy. That was the big question. That's That's what we needed to find out. And he emphatically gave us the answer of yes, which is which is just phenomenal, right? To go to go from Favre to Rogers to Love is is just so completely unheard of in this league. And you know, uh, our our Daniel, our rebuilding year was a divisional round lost to the number one team in the NFC. That was a rebuilding year for the Green Bay Packers. Like, I, I, as sad as I am and disappointed I am that they didn't win that game. We have to acknowledge how blessed we are as Green Bay Packers fans. Yes, welcome me. Well, join me in the optimism. I'm optimistic, Perry. I'm, I'm just I'm optimistic here. Like glass half full optimism, but the glass half empty is sadness, right? Like those are the, the, the water missing from that cup are the tears that it'll help you get over the loss when you think about it this way. No, it's great, but the but tears I'll, are helping the the water come up, so it's half full. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. And, uh, you know, as Andy said earlier, uh, they'll just find another way to break my heart next year. But uh, I'm all in on it. I'm ready to get my heart broken again. 
Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be incredible. I can't wait to see what happens, you know, sort of moving forward and just yeah, everything that they were able to accomplish. So many things that we can look back on. All right, kind of rapid fire here, because obviously, again, we kind of went through this game and some things that went well and th- some things went, that went wrong. I mentioned the evaluation and one of those evaluations that's still remaining out there that um, I don't know that necessarily people are torn on. But the Packers might be torn on it, or there might at least be a rift between the Packers and the fan base, if nothing else. And that's obviously the decision with Joe Barry. Perry, I will start with you. Where does the situation with Joe Barry lie? And if Perry Goldstein's in charge of the Green Bay Packers, what decision are you making? I think we all know what decision Perry Goldstein (laughs) is making. I am saying thank you so much for your service. Your contract is up. We will not be renewing. Shake hands. Goodbye. It's really unfortunate because I actually think the defense played pretty darn well in this game. But at the same, they got really good pressure on Purdy. They couldn't come down with the ones that he threw at them. And that's on the players, not Barry. You know, like he threw a few picks their way and they couldn't get it done. Um, But also, you know, third and soft still reared its ugly head and dink and dunk in key moments and take the lead, give it right back. You know, they're just the same old stuff still happened in this game. And for me, it's the body of work over the course of three years. Like we just, we all just said, like now we are at the point where we think that this team is a championship level caliber team. And for me, the missing piece of this is this is not a championship caliber defense. I think there are pieces on this defense that are good. I don't think they have enough playmakers at the moment. I don't think some of their playmakers are playing up to their level of standards right now to be a championship caliber defense. Like we were talking pre-show, they are not playing like the Baltimore Ravens defense. They are not playing like the – you watch that 49ers defense, like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, they are not playing like that, okay? So you need to look around the league – and take a hard look at this side of the ball and get somebody in there that can get them to that level. Maybe not to that level, because I don't know if the Green Bay Packers are going to ever have a defense that looks like that, but close enough that they can support what is going to be a very high-powered offense. Because if they can get there, this will be a championship-level team. But they're not there right now, and they won't be with Barry. Alex? 100% 100% agree. Um, uh, but to Andy's point of the Packers might be a little bit more conflicted than the fan base. I'm, I'm not sold. He's not back. Uh, similarly to 2022 where the last five games of the season, no offense put up more than 20 points against this team when they went four and one and obviously lost the, the win in your end game against Detroit in week 18. He saved his job. I, I think he might have again. I, I, I'm less certain than I was a year ago. Yeah. I think it helps his, his contract is up because optically it looks so much worse if you have to sign him to a new contract rather than just he's back like he was this year. Um, I, I'm with you, Perry. I, I don't think they get the championship level with, with Joe Barry as their D coordinator. I, I, I hope you're right. I, I, I just I'm not completely sold. You are yet. And we'll know likely this week or next week. If, if you are, and if you are right, because we will know before the next time you and I talk in two weeks, uh, I, I would just like to say the, the one of the best additions 
not named uh, Jaden Reed to this team in 2023 was the Joe Barry cam uh, in the booth. And I love the double fist pump he gave us yesterday. Um, I hope that's memed somewhere because I would like to use that at some point in the offseason. So anyway, uh, I, I don't think he should be back. If I was running the Packers, I, I, I think the firm handshake that Perry alluded to is the same move I would make. Uh, but I don't know if Matt LaFleur is feeling the same way Perry and I are right now. This is seventh season as defensive coordinator. He's never had a top half of the league defense. I don't think he's ever finished with a top 20 defense during that Ooh. time. Um, there's been three different franchises, seven, seven different teams in seven different seasons, and you, he's not once put together a top 20 defense. That's all you need to know. And while I do think the defense was better over this past four weeks of the season, we do have to state the obvious. One of those games was against – the Chicago bears where they had nothing to play for other than trying to eliminate green Bay. And it's not like their offense is just tearing the roof off of things. No Darnell Mooney. Like that's, that's one of the games. The other is against Jaron Hall for the first half and Nick Mullins for the second half and the Minnesota Vikings. The game before that, the Carolina Panthers uh, was a nightmare. You know, that was a nightmare game. Like they allowed 30 points in that game. The Dallas Cowboys, you got off to a 27, nothing lead. And, like the rest of it almost felt like an exhibition game after that. Now his defense stepped up in that first half. The Darnell Savage pick six was huge. The job pick was huge. No question about it. I will give him his flowers overall for that game plan. Some bitter taste towards the end of it, but um, it, it didn't feel like your normal game for a variety of reasons. And then this past week, some good, some bad game on the line, which has been an issue, uh, ultimately could not get the job done, even though I thought this was overall a a solid game plan from him. That to me, even in that stretch does not make up for the entire body of work of the Joe Barry resume. And I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but Goody always talks about roster building as a 365 day a year process. And you're always looking for ways to get incrementally better. You cannot make an argument to me that with all of these incredible defensive coordinator candidates that are out there, including people like Wink Martindale, and we don't need to go through the entire list. You cannot tell me that there is not an incremental improvement at worst out there moving from Joe Barry to some of the other options that are out there. This is a very good football team that is ready to compete at the highest of levels, and you have to do everything organizationally to make sure that you are making every incremental improvement that you can to give you the opportunity to win games like this one that we just saw that they just lost. And that comes with special teams, that comes with defense, that comes with offense, that comes with everything. And this, to me, is one of your biggest opportunities to make a logical improvement. There's no guarantee it's better. I would be hard-pressed to believe it would be worse. But I do think now is the time to make that change. You have this whole Jordan Love era ahead of you started in the right direction with the right defense that you can build around him. You've gone so far in building this offense, this LaFleur offense with Jordan Love and all these weapons works. Find the right person to lead your defense moving forward. This is a massive decision for the organization. I know it's not easy, but it should be relatively clear at this point. I would also add that this has now become a very attractive job. Mm -hmm. Like It might not have been before because of all the uncertainty around Aaron Rodgers and what the hell was going to happen in this transition. And it might've turned off some coaches because they don't want to be part of a quote unquote rebuild or the unknown, but you know exactly what you're getting on the other side of the ball, right? You know exactly what's 
to come. Like this is this should now be a very desirable coaching position if it becomes open. So you now actually have like the upper hand in terms of hiring because one would think that people would want to come coach in Green Bay. Yep. Calling yeah, Mike Vrabel. I don't see that happening. I don't know. Is that like, it's not necessarily ideal to bring in somebody that's just going to get a head coaching job next year, either like Vrabel being a one year, like even as a defensive coordinator, like, yes, probably still sign me up. But like, if it's just one year and then he becomes a head coach the following season, um, that, that, means that's, that means their defense is really good. That's true. It's not the worst thing in the world. I just all like, Wink Martindale's not getting a head coaching job. There's other opportunities that like other hires potentially out there where you could probably find someone that's going to be here for potentially three or four years and hopefully run that defense. So I don't know. They, they have a decision to make. I'm not overly confident in what direction they're going to go in to say the least, but I do think this is a really important decision for the Packers. Maybe their biggest decision this off season for green Bay moving forward legitimately. So, so uh, honest vote. Cause you asked Perry what she would do. Perry, you say he's not back. I if I was GM, no, he's not back. I, I'm not asking your opinion. I'm asking, do you think the Packers will bring him back? Yes or no? <laughs> you asked two different questions, but um, I mean, I I hope not. No, I think with his contract expiring, part ways. Andy, go. You go first. I th- I think he's back. I'm going to say that they go in a different direction, okay. and maybe that's just my wishful thinking in the back of my mind. Um, we have not seen any confirmation a million percent for sure, at least unless you guys have that his contract is up. That's what I've heard. That's the, like the going belief, but I don't know that to be a hundred percent fact. It's, there's not like a over the cap or a spo track for, uh, coaches. Like there's not the, the readily available information on contracts. If that is the case though, I do think that gives them an out. And I do think that Matt has to look long and hard as of the three years and like they can say like Joe's made of the right stuff and they improved at the end of the season. That to me still over three years, we haven't seen enough overall improvement from the defense. And I just think it, it just feels like time. And I, I feel like Matt has to know that he has to try to make like a home run higher here at defensive coordinator to get this going in the right direction. Maybe, like I said, it's wishful thinking, but that's where I'm at right now. Interesting but I'm very likely could be wrong. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. Um, All right. I think we mostly talked about, obviously the special teams we talked about to death, I think already the offense we talked about uh, already, but anything that you guys wanted to add from an offense or defensive side of the thing, either for the the season or for this game in particular. Nothing. I want to add one thing. I want to add one thing. And that is, I do think the Zach Tom injury was super important in this game. And now Debo Samuel injury super important to this game too. In no way am I making an excuse and saying um, like the, because again, the, the Debo Sammy one, I don't know. That's an interesting trade. If you would have proposed it to me before the game, you lose Zach Tom, they lose Debo Samuel. Would I take the trade? I think my answer is probably no, but um, either way, those are two key players in this game. Uh, but once Zach Tom went out, they did put uh, the, you know, a couple of those touchdown, the, the one touchdown ish drive together at the end uh, of where like right when he went out, the, the next one, Tom is in, but again, they get the ball off the big kick return, so it's not like a drive. And then those last four, again, interception, uh, three and out, missed field goal, interception, are all with Yash had a really, really tough day once he came in. It was a complete 
180 from Zach having a great day to Yash having a nightmare day like that. I do think that was a huge reason that the offense struggled more in the second half. And I do think that injury played a, a huge key in that second half of the game. Yeah, I noticed that as well, actually. I as First, I thought him going out was very strange. Like they called down that they noticed a head injury and then he ended up being ruled out as a concussion. I just found that odd. I mean, I'm happy about player safety. I just thought the whole process of it was very weird. Um, and then, I mean, look, like Zach Tom has been playing as what one of the best right tacklers in the league this season by PFF grades. I know, don't hate me about PFF grades, but like one of the grades, um, and I know you've had him graded very high. You could tell immediately that the pressure was getting to love. You could tell immediately that the run game suffered from it. I mean, it just like, it was an obvious eye test shift. And I mean, fair, like Yash has not played. So would you, Andy, have done the shift, the O-line shift differently than what they did? Or was that, yeah, it just ultimately just didn't play well. It's what it's him, Royce, or I guess you have the extra offensive guard that you could put in. Um, I mean, you could have, I guess, well, you have to remember like when Elton moved to right tackle in the past, like last year, he really struggled at right tackle. Now that's coming off the ACL that's moving left side to right side and that's moving guard to tackle, but he really struggled at right tackle and to take Elton off of left guard where he's been so good and move him to right tackle. I don't think I would have went in that direction. I think what they did was ultimately right. You're again, you're not going to put Royce Newman in, um, you know, so it's Yash or making that move. And I probably just wouldn't win with Yash. They gave him some help on a, a few different occasions. I think that's the right move in that situation. We could hindsight it just because it didn't work, but I, there's no way I would second guess that in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look like 49ers have a great rush and they ended up just winning. And I mean, what are you going to do? It just is, it's how the game goes. It's brutal though. I'm glad, I mean, not to like get a silver lining out of it or anything, but I mean, I'm glad it's just a concussion and not anything worse. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely hear that. And and we'll see this, you know, right now the, the injury list is finally cleared. There's everyone knows is probable to start the season next year, uh, which is very, very nice for the first time. The injury list has had an exhausted season. I think everyone, I don't think anyone's worked harder than the injury list this season. So they're, they're very happy to have off. Um, all right, real quick, lightning round. Uh, biggest change that needs to get made this offseason is, Perry, you're up first. Biggest change that needs to get made this offseason, can we go with defensive coordinator yep, again? Because that's yep. my answer. <laughs> all right, Alex. That's where I was going to go. Uh, safety room needs to be improved. Yeah, I'll, I mean, both of those were my two Defensive yeah. coordinator and safety are the two biggest ones. Um, we're on the same page there. Favorite memory of this season, Alex, or either one of you, if you have to go first, I'll go first since you, I'll give you guys a second to think the Dontavian Wicks touchdown from a week ago against Dallas. And for so many reasons, but just like it was the perfect encapsulation of everything that Jordan became through the course of this year of being able to use cadence, but like every tool that he needed and sort of like developed through the course of his career in green Bay. And through the course of this season, he showed off in that one play and it was just like this beautiful, perfect final, not final. Cause we obviously, you know, we had a game after that, but it was like this one final moment of like, he's got it all. Everything he needs is right there. And it was beautiful and perfect. I think that's my, my favorite memory of the season. 
Thanksgiving Day against the Lions. I think just coming out hot, uh, leading that game throughout in kind of a back and forth, and then it obviously parlayed into uh, another game, another big win the following week on Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs. I think the the Thanksgiving win over the Lions uh, was the was wasn't the first time, but it was. I think it was the solidification of. Holy smokes, we got our guy uh, in Jordan Love. So I, I, would, I would say Thanksgiving was, was certainly, I think, uh, when we realized the potential that this team had, which ended up with a playoff win and in the divisional round. I, so I'll go Thanksgiving win over the Lions. Can't be Thanksgiving because he didn't get his turkey leg. So that True. has to be ruled out entirely. But uh, Perry? Oh, wow. There's a few. Um I think Thanksgiving is probably up there for me, especially because like I was sitting watching with my family, but I think the chiefs win has to be up there. Also. I, I, I feel like similarly to you, Alex, like national stage, especially coming off of another national stage, big win to go back to back and beat the reigning super bowl champs and like show that off in back to back games was really kind of the, let me introduce myself to you all moment. Um, so that was a big one, especially because, again, I mean, I know the Chiefs aren't the Chiefs this season. I mean, they're still playing as we record right now in divisional rounds, so they're still a very good team. Um, but just a really big moment. And we've seen Jordan, I, I know this last game didn't end in the most shining moments, but he has – been able the lights are not too bright for this player and for a franchise quarterback i think being able to perform in really big moments is an absolute necessity and for me that chiefs game was really that moment where i was like oh okay he's going to be able to do this even when all the pressure's on you know even against quote unquote the best team in the league all of that it doesn't matter it was that first like he's unrattable unrattleable time <laughs> good term uh yeah think about the national tv games the packers played in since thanksgiving right so thanksgiving against the lions sunday night against the chiefs sunday night in week 17 against the vikings cbs prime time at week 18 against the bears and then obviously the two playoff games jordan love was terrific in all of them um <clears throat> with exception to to saturday with the two interceptions but he was still really good i, I thought um he still looked looked the part he, he was the better quarterback in that game i thought brock purdy was seeing ghosts throughout so in terms of the spotlight on him, he he's provided since Thanksgiving. You're absolutely right on that. Um, he's had some gorgeous touchdowns, though. Like that throw to Jaden Reed in the Vikings game, that oh, first yeah. touchdown. Oh, yeah. oh, that was a thing of beauty. So, I don't know, there's a few. You did conveniently leave out that Monday night New York Giants game on your list of uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, prime time performances. But <laughs> why, why didn't you let that one slide? I could have, but that, what's the fun in that? Uh, last but not least, your final thought and takeaway as we end this chapter of the 2023 season. Uh, Alex, I will start with you. What is your your last shiny moment that you want to get out? Perry's getting to me, man. Um, what a ride. I mean, uh, we, we've alluded to it a few times over the course of this season, but this, is, this has been one of them. I'm 25 years old. All I know is championship expectations. Uh, I did not have that this year. And this this had to be one of the most, other than maybe the Super Bowl season in 2010, the most fun I've had as a Packers fan throughout the course of a season. Watching this team, and it was not very fun in October, right? <laughs> Two and five, 
Shoot, guys, I was looking at mock drafts at the end of October, and uh, that quickly went out the window as this team found a way to figure it out. It, as it, you know, it, it felt like that Pittsburgh loss in early November was really the turning point. And since then, Jordan Love was amazing, right? He, he was debatably, if not, maybe not even debatably, the best quarterback in the league in the second half of the season. Um, the defense had its moments. The young receivers had their moments. Aaron Jones obviously had some great moments over the course of the last month. It was a really, really fun season. The future is bright. July and training camp of the preseason can't come quick enough uh, because I, I want more, man. I want, And that's what I think I'm so sour about that loss on Saturday is I want more of this team, dude. They are a lot of fun. I'm really excited to see what 2024 brings. Barry? Yeah, I want more too. I, I – um... It just, I said it before, I just had so much fun this season. I mean, even in the bad stretch, like, and you can go back and find the tweets. I have receipts. Like, I, I, you could see the bright spots. You could see the young talent. You could see how much fun the Jaden Reed and the Luke Musgrave and even Christian Watson, like, you could see that the talent was there and that it was just waiting for it all to click and the faith in Matt LaFleur and the faith in Jordan Love, like I had it, it was there. And, you know, progress is not always linear. I mean, we saw it, Andy, you just brought up the Giants game. Like we saw it, the ups and downs, and I would not have traded this roller coaster for anything else because I feel like this team is battle tested enough to go into 2024 and feel ready to take pretty much anyone on. And, I'm going to gloat for about 30 seconds as someone who has been super excited about the Jordan Love pick since they took him the night of the draft. I'm so happy that his development has panned into what it has because his traits are unbelievable. And like to watch him ascend into the player that he has has been (laughs) freaking awesome. Um, and also just as a leader of men, I find him incredibly easy to root for. And now this team is a team that other people around the league want to root for, which hasn't really been the case in the last few years. Right. And that's really nice. Like, I don't know how you guys feel, but I find that really nice um, to have people, you know, text me the last few weeks being like, oh, my God, the Packers look awesome. And thank you for beating the Cowboys. This is sweet. And like, we're all Packers fans this weekend. And we love Jordan Love. We love watching him play. Like, that's awesome. So um, I love this young team. And we got so many more years ahead with them. And I think the jump in year two is going to be really something special. Ever since the Packers got rid of Dean Lowry, the likability for the franchise has just gone through the roof. (laughs) It's just been really something to watch. Totally. Uh, Two things. One, and you kind of mentioned it, Perry. I love the adversity that this team overcame through the course of the season. It's very rare that you have a team that just is like, oh, we're a Super Bowl contender right away. Like you have to go through some of the crap and the muck and everything else to get to the end and and how and, and like learn from all of that. And I just think they learned so much from this season and how they were able to overcome all of that, I think was super special. And then Alex, you said the words verbatim. I already had them on my my sheet here. I'll just end with the future is bright. It's extremely, extremely bright. It's so exciting. They're a fun team. They're so easy to root for. 
and the future is freaking bright with what they've developed and set as the foundation of this team moving forward. Could not be more excited to have a 365 day a year podcast to talk about it moving forward. Could not be more excited to be able to talk about this team with you guys uh, all season long and continuing into the off season. So appreciate you guys a ton. And this has been a hell of a ride, a hell of a roller coaster. And I can't wait until we get to talk and we're going to talk about all of it, whether they make the move at defensive coordinator OTAs, mini camps, draft, um, obviously free agency, which players they bring back, which players to release, coaching changes. It's going to be a really, really fun and super important offseason. And of course, we'll be there to cover it every single step of the way. Again, appreciate you guys a ton. Alex, where can we find all of your epic work? Yeah, that's year four in the books for the three of us as a team on the Pack-A-Day podcast. So uh, it's been a pleasure as always, guys. Looking forward to the offseason. You can get me on Twitter at Alex underscore Strofe. And I was thinking about this uh, as as Perry kind of mentioned it. This is my fourth year, my fourth offseason working professionally in sports media with, with my team at ESPN Wisconsin. It will be the first offseason that I don't have a quarterback controversy to talk about. So uh, you could you can find me on the Mr. Relevant podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I don't know what the hell I'm going to talk about, though, because we don't have we don't have Aaron Rodgers drama to cover. So we'll, we'll all figure it out together uh, as we head into the offseason. But on Twitter at Alex underscore stroke is where you can get me. Yeah, what what a shame that we don't have that going on. <laughs> bummer. Total <laughs> bummer. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Uh, you can follow the other podcast that I'm on at PAX, which she said, PWSS podcast. Um, Maggie and I will be dropping our recap of this game. If you're listening to this on Monday, so Monday evening, um, it'll be up on YouTube and then any of your other audio, we will be doing our usual off season things. Um, probably a few live shows to switch it up. We really enjoyed going live with everyone after the divisional round games. So um, look out for that. And I think this year I took a quick hiatus last year, but I will be back for training camp. So I'll be up in green Bay this summer um, and really looking forward to the draft this year. I've already started digging in a little bit. So ready. Yeah, a little bit. I guess, I, I guess you have the freedom to do that when you're not feeling sad like Andy and I, huh? Well, I've started watching a little more college football than I normally do. Oh. So when you're paying attention to the players, I already have a few guys that I have my eyes on. So um, watch out for the draft content. Maggie is so, so good. So I'm going to plug her real quick. So good with the draft. She always, always has an eye for the day three guys. Um, Romeo Dobbs and Dontavian Wicks being two of the guys that she has called being dudes. Um, so, yeah, watch out for the packs that she said draft content. We usually do have a no saying anything nice about Maggie Loney uh, rule here on the podcast, but I'll allow it this once. Uh, Maggie's amazing. Obviously go follow both of them on the packs, which she said podcast, go follow Alex at uh, Alex underscore strofe, Perry at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. You can find the podcast at Packaday podcast. That is going to do it for us today, but until next time, and as always go pack, go. Oh, pack, go. Oh, pack. <laughs>